Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hi everybody, this is Anthony Whitaker, and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Earlier last month, I hosted a room on Clubhouse that we recorded, and the topic was all about pricing of salon services with my guest, Michael Cole. I'm sure you'll agree that the subject of pricing, as well as productivity and pay, are always hot topics of interest, no matter where you live. I think this is an interesting episode, so I hope you take the time to listen, and I hope you enjoy it. So with that said, let's transition to the Clubhouse recording with my guest, Michael Cole. So today, I've titled this event something like, let's talk about pricing of salon services. So, you know, that's going to be the the focus of our conversation. And today on the stage with me, we have some great business experience and wisdom in the form of the one and only Mr. Michael Cole. So thanks for joining us, Michael. Um, Pricing. So pricing, this is always an emotive subject. So, you know, I thought, who can I get to join me? And immediately I thought there's no one better to talk about this than Michael Cole, the calm voice of reason and objectivity and wisdom. I bet you haven't been called all those things in one sentence before, Michael. No, I haven't. Right. So I've got a little intro here. I'll just quickly go through this and then I'm going to pass to you with with a question for us to get started and we'll dig in. Um, I, I've been using a, a quote that I got from you, unashamedly. It was a great quote. We, you said it on an earlier podcast that we were on, and I loved it. I loved it because of the simplicity of it. It just, you know, we talk so much about so many things, but the simplicity of this quote, you just said, you either get more clients in your chair or you get more money from the clients that are in your chair. And I just thought, what a great, simple summary of ultimately what everything we're trying to do is. It's about either getting more clients in your chair or it's about getting more money from the clients that are in your chair. And over the last, you know, 12, 18 months, depending on where you are in the world, you know, there has been an enormous impact on our businesses through uh, COVID and that has definitely, you know, impacted on pricing. Uh, I know some of you listened to my podcast. I interviewed Ted Gibson and Jason Backey uh, recently. And just to put pricing in some sort of context and to sort of set some paradigms here, um, uh, Ted's haircuts are either free or he charges $2,500. And his partner, Jason, who is a color specialist, charges $495 for every 30 minutes. And you didn't hear any of that wrong. And I also know someone else who said to me that he charges, um, and he's only got one client that he charges this, but he charges $10,000. And this isn't a lie, okay? He's completely legit. He charges $10,000 every time he cuts the hair of the son of one of the biggest hedge fund managers in the world. Um, so that is extreme, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, at the other end of the scale, there are numerous salons or barbershops that still charge $10 for a haircut. And the average in the US, I'm going to guess, is probably 
$50, meaning there's plenty that charge less than that and plenty that charge more from that. And in the UK, the average is probably about £40. So £40, $50, same sort of money, essentially. So, you know, I'm not going to say today that anything you're doing is wrong because I don't think that anything is wrong. If, if, if what you're charging is working for you and your business is making a profit, then I'm not going to say that you're wrong because there's a market at one end of the spectrum for, you know, for McDonald's. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to talk about McDonald's. I'm just using that as an analogy. And there's a market at the other end of the spectrum for, you know, a fine dining sort of Gordon Ramsay. Uh, restaurant. So, you know, as a salon owner or a stylist, when it comes to pricing, the first question is deciding where you want to be on the pricing scale and then asking yourself, do you have the skills, the mindset, the location and the business model that are a fit to attract and keep that client base? So, okay. So, um, and I also wanted to just throw in there, I'm just looking at some notes that I made that I don't want you to think for one minute that just because you charge the most, that it means that you generate a lot of revenue in one year. And again, if I can just refer you to a couple of women uh, that I've interviewed both on the podcast, Jill Craven. Uh, Jill Craven is number 17 on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. She has a salon in a small town in uh, Georgia, small town of Canton. And Canton has a population of £30,000. And Jill's record, personal record behind the chair, is over $600,000 in one year. And she does that on a haircut that's less than 100 bucks. And also in Georgia, this time in Atlanta, is Candy Shaw, who uh, her best year, personal best year as a stylist and colorist behind the chair, was over $500,000. So they're two exceptional women that have achieved those results. And the prices of their haircuts, when uh, Candy did that, again, I think she said she had an $80 haircut at that point in time, and her highlight was at $120. So uh, it's not just about charging, you know, telephone numbers for a service. It's also about finding the balance and making sure that you're consistently busy. So on that basis, let's dig in here. And I want to pass over to uh, Michael and uh, ask you, Michael, straight off the bat, what's what's an overview sort of intro statement from uh, Michael Cole about pricing in the industry today? Well, first of all, Anthony, thank you for uh, inviting me to have the conversation. It's a it, it, it would get the Academy Award for, uh, at least to people that I coach, as the most emotionally charged, uh, most relevant. It, it implicates uh, all, anyone behind the chair. And if you asked 100 hairdressers, you know, what's most awkward and with them? And it's, it's around the conversation of pricing. So it's... Uh, it's ginormous. Uh, I loved your setup because you gave extremes from, you know, somebody is, you know, way, way, way at 10 grand to $10. My, my friend, Jill Craven, um, I know her well and, you know, everything in between. And so really, uh, what I use, uh, in, in conversations like this is some sort of model that kind of takes the, uh, opinions out of it and, and tries to use simple hairdresser friendly math to at least give hairdressers 
we'll call it some measurable readiness. You know, I call it data-based readiness. And and it uh, and and um, and the chart that I'm going to be referring to is just a chart that I use when people that I coach have had little to no exposure to any kind of systems. So, you know, in my day job, you know, I, 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 I'm in a community called The Summit and there's, you know, what is it, five, 6,000 salons there that are very, very, very highly trained in anything that's systems. So, you know, th- their needs are going to be different than somebody that's saying, look, I, I'm, I'm not on a system I'm, I'm yet, I, but I'm looking for some real simple rules of thumb. Well, I, 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 I have something, I brought something this morning that I used that, you know, one of my many things, and I love what you said, more clients with money in your chair or, you know, more money from clients in your chair. And pricing is really, you know, as my chair gets filled up with clients, I, I, I want to enjoy more money by char- char- charging more, not just so much for my services, but for my time, my expertise. So, what I've done is on my Instagram page this morning and getting ready for the conversation, I've actually put the chart. It, it's a, in uh, my people that don't follow me, if you go to Michael Cole, millionaire stylist, uh, you'll see the, uh, a chart. It, 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 and it, and it has, uh, it almost looks like it's gamified. It, it's got three columns. One is an average service day. And then, uh, the next column is basically retail. And that, that's, and all I did is I tied up uh, a ratio to the service and then request what, what, what percentage of clients are you serving that requested you, whether they're a repeat or a new. And, um, I, you know, I've, I've been in uh, the, the game for 50 years and I've been a business educator for 40. So there's been, you know, literally tens of thousands of people that I've, I've helped and, this is not front page news. I, I remember, and my buddy Ginger uh, was at least she was on she was on the uh, Ginger Boyle from uh, she was with Horst uh, way back in uh, the '80s, and I was with them in the '70s. And I remember you you start behind the chair and you you start building a clientele, and is and you know you're given a title, and you know I, I don't know stylist. And then as your request rate built, uh, one day Horst or one of the managers would kind of come over and say, gee, you're getting busy. Let's raise your prices. Oh, okay. And then, you know, you went to the next level and maybe now you're not a stylist, you're senior stylist. And then you stay there and then, you, you know, depending on how fast you grow, it might be a year from now, six months from now, two years from now, somebody taps you on the shoulder and go, whoa, you're 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 busier than you've ever been. Uh, let let's go ahead. You're going to go to the next level and raise your prices. And but it was all, there was no data. It was intuitive, and and it and it worked. And uh, when I got on uh, out on my own as a coach in the '80s, I I, I brought uh, one of the first. You know, now they got fancy names, multi-level pricing systems. And basically, what I did is I t- took the, the the chart that's on the the page uh, on my Instagram page, and it was a it was much much more complicated than than the chart you're seeing now. And it caught on. And then uh, in you know in the '90s. You know, another partner of mine did another iteration on it. 
And then the first decade of the millennium, there was another iteration. And, and then the last 10 years, there was another. And you look at the damn things now, and they're very, 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 very complicated. There's algorithms and, 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 and there's systems. And, and now, you know, people get kind of pissy if you talk about the trends. Like, hey, you're messing with our, our IP, our intellectual property. So what you see on mine is... It's a, it's a C. Johnny run or a C. Julie run. You know, the essence of a great idea is simplicity. And, and this chart, is, 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 I think it's, it's, it's simply genius because it's like, how does it work? Well, when you're at, if you start with no, no clientele, when, when your average day, whether you're working five days a week, seven days a week, two days a week, one day a week, is running at, the, you know, $300, and 60, you know, whether you got, uh, it, it took you 10 clients to get to 300 or two clients or one client, or it doesn't matter. Just make damn sure that 60% of the clients in that day are requesting you. That's a pretty damn simple metric. And if you're into the, if you're into retail and you wanted to tie retail and many people are, you'll see in parentheses, there's a $50 retail. Your, your, your day in retail is 50. Your average service day is 300 and 60% of that business is clients that are requesting you. Well, what's that mean? Well, it means you have the readiness to raise your prices. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you touched on something then. You said you'd been you know, doing this now for 50 years, so it's good to have someone who's been doing it longer than me. Um, <laughs> I, I want to ask you about that. You know, sometimes you see something, uh, an article, and it will say 50 years ago, a gallon of gas was this and a haircut was that or something, you know, and then they'll use a, a comparison and they'll say, you know, looking at what a gallon of gas costs or a loaf of bread or a pint of milk or whatever it is, a haircut today should cost X. And in reality, it doesn't cost X. And usually it's being used to, to demonstrate how hairdressing services as an average haven't kept up. I don't have anything like that that is as reliable other than that story. Do you have any, any sort of reference for, you know, being in the industry for 50 years on the business side of things to be able to say that, you know, I can remember that when the average haircut was X dollars and a loaf of bread was Y, and now a loaf of bread is X and look at what a haircut's done. It has not grown, you know, proportionately. What's your, what's your insights on that? Yeah, well, I'm going to give you an answer. It's my answer. It's not the answer. Yeah. Um, but um, in, in the communities that I hang out with, is uh, these days you can get a, a, you know, a demographic study. You could, you know, good now it's just basically Google, you know, Google average household income. And, you know, I live in, you know, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, average household income, St. Paul, or average household income in Ramsey County, St. Paul, and you're going to get a metric. The average household income is, you know, pick a number, you know, 50 grand, 100 grand, 200,000, whatever. And uh, now, you know, companies would say, OK, let, let's take a percentage of that metric. Um, and, and that is what we would say uh, a uh, average haircut would be. And there's a there's a math formula. It's, a, it's an algorithm. And I, I I don't have it because I don't. I, I don't have it with me. I'd have to go and find it and, and give it to you but because I wasn't ready for your question. But I, I know that there is a mathematical algorithm 
that that answers provides an answer to your question and it's not tied to uh, you know opinions and if you if you looked at two or three uh we'll call them salon consulting companies i would bet that that you know they first of all they probably would be a little bit uh hesitant to share the algorithm with just anybody unless they're a client but there there's an algorithm for it um and and some you know you're independent it isn't that um let's call it that strategic so they might call around to see what other salons are charging and some just lick their thumb and stick it in the wind and it it doesn't really i don't want to say it doesn't matter to me at the end of the day what matters is once you 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 declare that this is my price i'm going to look at your average day and your average request rate and i can tell you by that metric if it's working for you and if you're not hitting a metric i'm going to say gee you 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 you're you're uh you you've you pushed beyond the boundary of your price you need to either uh lean in and level up with better service and better branding um or rethink your prices but it's all tied to data it's it's not tied to my opinion uh and um, you know and i'm not pulling rules of thumb out of my you know what yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i know exactly what you mean i have an uh, an algorithm that i use it's it's actually i'm not being cagey about not it's it's very one of those things that's very difficult to talk through on an audio thing you actually need to show people what it is but ultimately what it boils down to or certainly my one what it boils down to is to arrive at a dollar value which is what i call a service price per minute so let's say you arrived at a service price per minute of $1 and and you, and that's where the algorithm is it's in working out what is the service price per minute for your business and then when you've got that you know whatever it is a dollar 90 cents you know a dollar 33 whatever it is then you work out with your to get an average of what your appointment times be let's say that you would say okay we do a 15 minute service whatever that's going to be a treatment a fringe trim whatever you know then it is your service price per minute in this case $1 multiplied by 15 minutes so it would be $15 then you might have a haircut let's say it's a man's haircut and it's a uh, uh, a 30 minute appointment it's 30 times the service price per minute that's $30 so it's not it's not just charging for time as opposed to charging for service it is still charging for the service but the dollar value that you've attributed to that to, to that service has been worked out properly not just be not just been worked out by as you said you know putting the finger to the wind but i'm also the first one to say that even when you get to that number and it's quite a rewarding exercise for people to work that number out that even when you get to it there are other things that you need to factor in i.e. are you market competitive uh is one uh, another one is that the the variables that can impact on it and change that service price per minute are things like if your rent went up well that then your overhead has gone up so what it costs you to run your business has gone up so your service price per minute has to go up accordingly or if you had two stylists leave it goes up or if you have two new stylists join you you know so there are so many things that can impact on it so although it's a good exercise to do and you you know you can arrive at a specific dollar value to charge per minute uh which is very helpful and it's certainly better than not having it on its own it's not a it, it, it's not a um you know a cure all so to speak as a generalization can i ask you for as a salon owner 
do you advise them a time frame by how often they should put their prices up? Uh, it, um, again, um, Anthony, I'm, I'm going to give you my answer, not the answer. None of my answers are 11 commandments. They're oh, just, I'm with you on that. And if you and if you would have asked me that question a year, a couple of years ago, I would have probably given you a different answer than I'm giving you today. There is, I, I in my humble opinion, I think there are there is a new model rapidly emerging. The new model, whether you want to call it a pricing model, a salon marketing model, a salon leadership model, a salon business model, it's emerging as we speak. And, it, and it's coming at us all at supersonic. Uh, it, it, it's driven by what I'm going to call, uh, you know, uh, zennials, uh, you know, the, the Z genre. And oh, by the way, you know, they, it starts now at eight. We don't have any eight year olds in the salon yet, but it, it, the oldest Z is now 25. And if you look at, you know, hairdressers that are coming in in the salon, it's depending on the country, could be as young as 16, 17, probably average 18, 19. And, but when you get to 25, those are senior zennials and, and they're growing exponentially faster. When I say growing, building clientele, building average day, building average ticket is as fast as the millennials we're growing young millennials, zennials are, are, are shattering records. They're blowing the charts. And so I would say to your question, no, I, I interview uh, on any given Thursday night. I do a Facebook live and I'm always looking. I call it in search of awesome. Who's doing who's got awesome sauce behind the chair? Let's have a conversation so you can be a vision of what's and they're all zennials. Nineteen. 20, 21, 22, and they're raising their prices. Um, well, in, in the salons I interview, they're on these uh, systems of level one, two, three, four. And I'll see an average zennial uh, start the year uh, as a new talent or one. And by the end of the year, they're at level four. And they're breaking every 11th commandment that, you know, gee, you should only raise your prices once and twice. And, and, and the, the Z's are saying, they're saying, no, I'm going to raise my prices when I go up another $100 a day. And somebody would say, well, that's ludicrous. Well, uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at data and it doesn't look like it to me. The, the, we, I got a, I got a Gen Z. That's, you know, hitting 50, 60, some of these kids, 70, 80 grand in the States. We call it a W-2 in a commission-based salon. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to interview a, a Gen Z next week that just missed a $100,000 W-2 in their first year. I, I remember in 2017, I was interviewing millennials that were having 50, $60,000 best year uh best first year behind the chair and it was unprecedented and it's like oh my god and and so the the z genre is not only blowing the rule book and blowing the charts but if you try to hold them to it if you're a if you happen to be a gen x salon owner or a boomer salon owner or even a millennial salon owner that hasn't woke up yet a, a gen z will just they'll quit i'll i'll, I'll go rent it's like you, they don't argue. If if you if you cuss at a Gen Z, they'll say, "Don't talk that way to me. I'm out of here." 
And I, you know, you may not like that, but that's how it is. I love Gen Z's. I'm old enough to be their grandpa for crying out loud. I suck their skull because I think that they have the, they've got the, the next right answer, but they're, they're throwing, I don't want to call it the old rule book, the traditional rule book. They're causing all of us to really take pause and, and I call it blow the sides off of my brain box and look at something and, and be willing to let go of something that frankly I've held tight onto uh, for many years. So that, that's my answer. Yeah, that's good. What are your thoughts? I mean, you've touched on it a couple of times now, uh, the level system thing. I mean, I always advocate to salons that they have a level system unless there's, you know, two people working in it. Um, right. and, and I often find that when I'm talking to people that they'll have a level system. But when I talk to them about, OK, what's the criteria? How you go from level one to level two to level three, regardless of what generation they are. And often it is, it's, it's, there's no science behind it. There's no math behind it. it it's sort of like, right. well, you know, they've been here a long time or they're a certain yeah. age or whatever. And it's crazy that people are promoted based on that. People have to oh. work their yeah. way up a level system based on performance and productivity. So what I'm curious about is what, what are the metrics that you um, like salons to measure in terms of their level system or what are the metrics that you see them using uh, before yeah, people yeah. get a promotion to another level? Yeah, well, I, I loved how you, the context you set because everyone's, you know, everyone's got an opinion about this and, you, you, you know, you're right. I mean, if you listen to some traditional salon owners, they have all of these kind of, it, it's not based on data. It's their opinion and they've been a, around a long time. So when I hear stuff like, I, well, you know, they've been around and they're busy. It's like, you, you've told me more about you than you've done your rule of thumb. You know, language is the fingerprints of consciousness. So when you have somebody say that, it tells me, I would say to them, I love you too much to tell you, you better download the update because you're, you know, you're a salon owner that's on the endangered species list. You've told me enough, you know, you, I, I would say at best case, you're profoundly uninformed, profoundly. And worst case, you're, you're, you're catastrophically misinformed. And I really don't care about, you know, how long you've been around. You're kind of senile. You're, you're on the endangered species list. Uh, I'll, I, the, the, the chart I've been talking about is the chart that I use. So the, it, it, it's simple. It's what, what's your request rate? What's your average dollar per day in service? And what's your average dollar per day in retail? Those are not the only benchmarks, but from the thousands of charts that I've seen and all of the algorithms that I've studied, it all comes down to request service per day. And because we're retail driven, you could say retail for day. Some, some of my colleagues would argue with me. What do you have retail in there for? It's service per day and it's request rate. And, it, and it's based on the economic law of supply and demand as it relates to a beauty salon. That is supply, the economic supply and demand in a beauty salon is how, what's your request, what's your demand, and your, your, average, your average dollar per day is going to point in the direction to how much uh, supply you have or lack thereof. And every time you go up $100 per day you, and you go up another 10%, you raise your price. 
And how long should I wait? Well, you might say uh, 60 to a 90 day average, but you don't necessarily have to wait that. Because as I said, zennials are they're saying, geez, I'm, I, I started, I'm already doing six, $700 a day. I, I, and I, as God is my witness, I'm going, I just talked to her yesterday on the 4th of July. She had a uh, first month behind the chair, just this side of $10,000. And when you, you know, she worked 20 days a month. So do the math on that. And, and, and she's, you know, she, she's off the charts. So whatever she's charging, it's not enough. Mm, mm, that's impressive. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with all that. I use a, a, a series of different metrics and tell people what they should do is pick the ones that are right for them and their business model. Because, you know, there'll be some, like, I, I might be talking one day to somebody who's got a group of barbershops or something. So he, he or she isn't going to be measuring, you know, color percentage as a rule or, or sometimes pre-bookings because that's not part of their business model. So, you know, I'll usually give them a selection of things to measure that they need to set a benchmark to before someone gets a promotion. And at each level, that benchmark is a little bit higher. So, you know, they might be measuring client count, service sales, retail sales, pre-booking, a capacity uh, percentage figure, maybe treatments, maybe color percentage, maybe average bill. Um, I, I don't get them to measure all of them because I think people then become overwhelmed with numbers. I usually ask people to pick, you know, the four or five that they feel are, are most relevant to, to them and their business model. And then to to, you know, put a benchmark number against each level. So what should a new stylist be doing? What should a stylist be doing? What should a top stylist be doing? Senior stylist, director, whatever the terms are. And then when they're hitting that number consistently for a period of time, whatever that period of time is going to be, you know, I used to set it at 90 days, then they were eligible to be promoted to the next level. So, um, yeah, there's lots of variations on a theme of of using that sort of system and i think we're both talking the same language in that you know we're both saying it's a system it's not based on your age or you're attractive or you know gosh we need someone at that level it's time i promoted you you know it's based yeah. on, like, on well, a system and i think that's yeah anthony what you're pointing to i think is is profound and, and i'm seeing a phenomenon that i've never seen before and that is especially now that we're on the back end of COVID and it's, it seems like we're, we're, we're being slingshotted into, you know, just, you know, uh, uh, we'll call it abundance. So there's been this, it's almost like coming out of, uh, what did we, you know, back, uh, when, in prohibition, when alcohol was illegal and they, and they, and, and, you know, the country, uh, you know, un, un, all of a sudden you didn't, it, you didn't have to bootleg it and the economy just, exploded it, it's happening in the salon but with zennials here's what i see they're starting and they're, they're you know two months three months after they start they're, they're blowing the charts their average day is equal to in some cases greater than people that have been around a while you know three four five ten years and the owner doesn't allow them to raise their prices because of a metric like, well, you're, you're not hitting your rebooks or you're not hitting your, I mean, pick one, referral, uh, average ticket, uh, retention. And they're, they're basically saying, I'm fucking out of here. Like, fuck you. I'm out of here. <laughs> and they'll go. And it, because you're going, I, I, 
I'm passing up Gen Xers that have been here for 10 years and you're not, you're, you're holding me back. They wouldn't call it a metric. They don't understand what all they know is I'm done bringing in more money than these people are bringing in and you won't let me raise my price. Screw you. I'm out of here. And so I, you know, I got salon owners, Gen Xers and boomers beating me up and saying, look, you know, this is how it is. And we, and I said, dude, I'm just the fucking messenger bringing the message to the kingdom. Don't kill me. I'm just telling it doesn't matter to me, but at least know the implications. So you got a great explanation about why you don't want to change your rule of thumb. Wonderful, but it's not going to get you out of the natural consequence of holding firm. And that is you're going to lose people and you better be good at recruiting. And what I hear today, the two hottest topics for a salon owner is all my people left to go rent at a suite and I can't recruit people fast enough. And, mm. and uh, you know, and then guys like me come in and go, I love you too much to not tell you the whole truth. You can't recruit for shit because Z's are interviewing you on the internet before they decide if they're, they want to be interviewed by you. They've Googled like Jill Craven. Mm. If I Google top salon in Canton, Georgia, Jill Craven salon is number one. Mm. So, so if I'm looking for the best salon in an area that I want to work to, I'm going to go and apply for her. I'm going to go and ask her if she can interview me, but she's already been interviewed by me. I vetted her out on Google. I was on her Google page. I was on her website. I was on her Instagram page. And I'm going, Jill Craven's the hottest deal in town. I'm, 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 I'm that's going to be the first place I'm going to go. But a lot of these other, traditional salon owners it's like you you don't you, you i can't find you on google and when i do it you look like a digital phone book i mean there's nothing like you need somebody to download an update on you you're you're like you're like 20 years behind and two years ago you were the hottest deal in town yeah. Two years ago, you were getting uh, uh, awards from Salon Today magazine for top 200. And in the last two years, you aged 20 and you're only 45 or 50. And no one's got the courage to tell you that you got to wake up. Like, who cares how cool you were? You're not cool. But but at least say that and then change. And if you can't change, then stop whining. <laughs> Stop going. You just you're just complaining. And, and, and here's what the Z's are saying about you. Uh, you know, Gen Z would go, OK, Boomer. That's all they're saying. OK, Boomer. It's like you're senile. You might as well be 90. Yeah. OK. <laughs> so nothing like being subtle, Michael. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And, no, no, yeah, I'm glad you I, are. I, I love, I love salon. I've been a hairdresser all my life. I, I love salon owners too much. And I'm like, there isn't a day I'm not on a Zoom call. And I said to somebody two days ago, uh, yeah, I said, to Ruth, uh, you're, you're two, three years ago, you're going to say, Michael, cool. I remember it was on the 2nd of July. We were on a Zoom call and you were telling me this and I hated you. Who do you think you are? You arrogant bastard but you know i i i I had to hear it 
And here it is where two years later, I, I'm on Google. I'm recruiting. I'm making more money. Thank you for loving me enough to not let me get away with my bullshit. Yes. Let me ask you another question about service pricing. What are you, because again, these are sort of new ways of looking at the world. And if you look at businesses like Uber or you look at the airline industry or the hotel industry when they're open again, uh, for, for those that aren't, is they have a, a peak time service pricing policy. Um, you know, where you can get an Uber today at this time and going the same distance tomorrow at another time might cost you double the amount or the same with a hotel or an airline. What are your thoughts about that sort of thing in the salon industry? So in other words, making your appointments on a late night or on a Saturday or whenever those peak demand times are, putting a, a loading on them. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And it's solid, solid, solid logic. The first thing I would say, though, is I, I need to, I need to, uh, you need to give me uh, the Instagram handle on the hairdresser that you're inquiring about. If you're looking for a general rule of thumb, I, yeah. I, that's not how I roll because you're going to have an Instagram Jedi that I would say, don't do that. Mm. Don't do that. You're going to lose them to Sola. Sola is going to be sending you thank you notes. Keep up the good work. We, we, we love it when you scare, you know, you, you, you scared a Jedi. Now, if you've hired someone that, that is, uh, I'm going to call it a digital Neanderthal. They're, 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 they don't know what they're doing on Instagram or their, their, their Instagram page looks like a shit show. Um, and, and they're traditional. I mean, as good as it gets is you, you, you know, walk around the neighborhood and hand out business cards and, and, you know, all, all that old shit. And then I would say, yeah, uh, you know, make sure that they're working Saturdays and Sundays and, or, you know, you have preferred pricing because that, that, that poor hairdresser hasn't woke up yet. So the, the, the Internet is, is what's, what's blowing all the rules of thumb out of the water. And, and again, we don't want to hear it, but I'm, I'm saying you, you have to. You have to hear it because the, what the conversation we're having now, we couldn't have that a year or two years ago. And now it's the single most relevant conversation in the beauty industry. And it's becoming more relevant by the, by the hour. But if people, you know, it's like, you know, guys like me, I'm dangerous. I it sometimes, you know, my teachers tell me all the time, Michael, be careful. You got to be careful of how much you see that you're saying, because if you say what you see too early, you're going to get crucified. And mm. I'm going, well, okay, I'm I'm 68, uh, you know, I've got a I've got a almost uh, an, an eight figure net worth, and I say that with grand, uh, with, with gratitude, not grandiosity. So crucify me. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't, I don't care anymore. I, I just, I love you too much to not co-sign your bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with salon scale. I imagine you would be. Um, yeah. Is, is that the color? Is that? The, yeah. The, the, yeah. Oh, very familiar. Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts about, I mean, the, you know, the essence behind uh, salon scale, which I really like 
is that they separate the price of product and the price of labor. And um, again, I, I've done a, a podcast interview with uh, Alicia, who owns the company and started the company. And she's a hairdresser. And she's, you know, as a, as a salon owner, she could see that that was a problem that, you know, the industry had for a very long time as a rule of thumb sort of gone, oh, well, in, in any color service is probably 10% product cost. And what she started to realize was that as the color services started changing and as we got into a lot more, um, you know, multi-colors on one head of hair, a lot more balayage and ombreage and all this sort of stuff, is that when you actually looked at the cost of product, it was no longer 10%. It was frequently a lot nearer 20%. So the whole, um, you know, ethos that Salon Scale is, is built on is a little bit like getting your car service to the garage. You know, you'll go to the garage, pick up the car, you'll say, how much is that? And they'll say, well, it's $75 for parts and, you know, $210 for labor or whatever it is. So with hairdressing in terms of separating the cost of product in terms of color from the service, what are your thoughts about that? What are you seeing happening in that area? I love that. I, 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 you know, the, the two that are really on my radar is Salon Scale is one of them. And then Vish yeah. is the other. And I, I don't want to advocate one or the other on Clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, I just love that technology. And, um, I, on a, on a, on a daily basis, you know, the, the, the early adopters that are, that are using, whether it's Vish or Salon Scale, they're, they're frankly finding new applications of that technology that are going beyond the two companies that innovated that. For example, I just had a conversation with uh, somebody that has Vish that is now uh, started a 401k program for their people and they're taking the savings that they're getting on color and they're, 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 they're using that to match uh, the contributions that uh, their people are. And I thought, isn't that a brilliant application? And that you're, you're charging, the, the, the price of it is being charged to the client. So the, the, the hairdresser isn't uh, taking a hit. The salon's not taking a hit. But with all of the, you know, I mean, everyone's a Bali Lama today, you know. Um, and these are, you know, four or $500 tickets. Yeah. So we're using more color. So I, I love it. I'm an advocate of it. And whatever it looks like today, I think is going to pale uh, a year from now as, as uh, the, the innovative salon owners are finding new ways to leverage that technology. The biggie is getting the hairdresser to weigh twice. I mean, that, that's the buzz is that, you know, you, you weigh once on the front end, weigh, weigh what's left so that you, 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 you know, the next time use this much and save that much or pass the charge on to your client. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, 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 again, I've got interviews with both Vish and Salon Scale on my podcast. So anyone who wants to check them out, I highly recommend you do. They're both very uh, good companies. They've both got an amazing you, product you, and it ties Anthony, 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 you know that the bigger issue around this, and I wanted to make sure we, get, we gave it a couple minutes, is mm. the emotional piece around money. Yeah. So whether we're talking about a salon owner or a hairdresser is, I'm afraid I'm going to offend you know, my client that, that, and, and again, I'm going to look at the metric and go, well, 
I, you know, I would be, the, the, the data is telling me that, that you're probably more, you, you, you know, there's a big difference between being client friendly and befriending clients because you, you know, you've got a bit, you've got a greater need to make friends than you do to make money. And you've crossed the Rubicon. Well, I know, but that's the way the business has always been. It's like, well, I don't really care how the business has always been. I care that you're running your business that way. You've got a higher need to be liked than you do to be prospered. And you either got to correct that or you get to bring ten, twenty thousand $20,000 less home to your family. You know, I, I know your wife. I know your husband. I know your children. I, I wish they were here to be in the conversation here because you're afraid to charge what you're worth because you don't like it when people don't like you. And you've got, I'm here to tell you, I love you too much to not tell you, you've got lifelong high ticket clients that don't worry about paying you what you're worth. They're not looking for a discount and you haven't even met these people yet because you're, you're so busy, you've got the disease to please. You, you need therapy. You need to go to a mentor and pull this giant emotional turd out of your punch bowl. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is something that, uh, you know, hairdressers suffer from all over the world. You know, not all of them, obviously, but far too many of them do. So it's, yeah. it's uh, really important to get around that. But we're going to have, uh, we've got about 13 minutes left. So any questions from the audience, don't hesitate to, uh, uh, to put a hand up about now. And uh, I'll add you to the stage uh, if, uh, if you do. If I could just say when you come to the stage, just, you know, say your name and then, uh, and then ask your question, whatever it is, so that we can uh, get through as many people as possible. So uh, while people are, are thinking about that one, Michael, what, what are you seeing about a trend? And what are your thoughts about the trend of charging for time as opposed to charging for the service? Because there's a lot of salons, both in the US and in the UK, that are really joining, um, you know, going in that direction more. God, I love you. I, you're the, you should get an award for the best interviewer in the beauty industry, man. I, your, your, your questions are profound. Um, what is today? Monday. So this was last Friday. Um, I was on a Zoom call that just from this very topic, it was a, a salon on a big, big, big salon, probably a two and a half, three million dollar in sales. And she had just lost four stylists, uh, Gen Z's, because um, they didn't want they wanted to charge by the hour. And um, her people uh, charge, you know, they charge by um you know, by the service. And she, and, 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 uh, her name is D. And what D was telling me was they're not, they're, they're, they're booked, but they have so much more time. Like they, these, the, and I'm again, I'm quoting her now. These kids today, I mean, they only have, they're only like doing one client, some of them for two, taking them two, three hours and they want to charge by the hour. And they're, you know, I've got other people over here. And I said, D, you don't have to tell me about your other people. You've got other people that are Gen Xers and they're Jedis. They got one in the chair, two in the bowl, three waiting. They're anorexic. They're hooked up to a catheter. They're, you know, they got a couple of assistants and they, they, they charge, you know, for their services. Meanwhile, as he's saying, I, I, I'm booked, but I, I don't want to be doing two or three people an hour. 
I, I, I get that, but I, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to charge by the hour and I'm going to make per hour what a Gen X makes, but I'm not going to work myself to death doing it. Now, again, I don't agree or disagree with that theology. Anthony, I'm just saying this is a, this is the new breed and they're saying I am going to charge whether it's $150, $200 an hour and I will get booked. And just because it, 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 it doesn't pair up with your traditional rules, so what? I'm going to make it work. And so I, 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 I said to Dee, Dee, if, if you don't want to do that, then great. But you, you don't whine about it. You, you need to at least say, no, I'm not ready to do that. And I guess I'll just, you know, if the Z's don't want to work for me, that's it. If you're saying, but I want, I need the younger people to work for me, then, then D, I, I would start being open to the idea and at least start playing with it, even though it flies in the face of how you've been running your business for, I think she's in her third decade. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, and again, you know, I'm in the, I'm like you, Anthony, I'm, I'm a reporter. I report the news. I don't create the news. And, um, but it, it can get emotional depending on how traditional you are and how hard you're holding on to the, the, the way we always do things. My friend Daniel Mason Jones says, uh, yes, but we've always done it this way is the mark of death. In the beauty industry, I, I thought that was a wonderful quote. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, look, we've got uh, we've got some people that have come to the stage here. Uh, before I, I pass over, I want to start with you, Kimmy. Uh, for anyone who's not really familiar with the charging by time uh, business model, as opposed to charging for the service, um, I have an interview coming out next week, next Tuesday, with a salon group in the UK. They've got six salons. And all their salons run on a charging for time model. Uh, so it's a very interesting interview. I highly recommend that you check it out. Uh, so, Kimmy, over to you. What's your question? You might need to unmute yourself. There you go. Yes, I'm not very good with this. Good okay. morning, Anthony. Um, so my question is, um, when you want to increase your price, um, do you have a conversation with your clients or do you pose um, a note or how do you come about to doing so? Um, and how are you going to have a conversation with a client that resists your price? Um, I don't have this problem, but I have um, I have a person that um, a fellow um, salon owners that asking me that. And, okay. um, well, let me, I'll, I'll answer Thank it first, you. and then I'll, I'll see if Michael wants to uh, chime in on it as well. Uh, what I used to do was have a level system. So imagine that you're one of my stylists, and you have been hitting the benchmarks that you need uh, to hit to be promoted. So I would um, say to you, you know, I'd say, Kimmy, you've been hitting these, these figures consistently for a period of 90 days or whatever it is, so we're now going to promote you to the next level. Um, and what we would do is we would then say to all the clients that was booked in with Kimmy uh, that uh, just to let you know that Kimmy has had a promotion. And uh, the clients were generally really happy. So we'd say, you know, Kimmy has had a promotion. And on your next visit, um, just to let you know that there's also in line with her promotion, a slight price, adjust, price adjustment. Now, most of those clients would go over to you and say, oh, congratulations, Kimmy. I hear you've been promoted. Well done. I'll see you in six weeks. So, again, it comes back to the thing that Michael was talking about 
I think a lot of the mindset issues are the hairdresser's problem, not the client's problem. And uh, uh, yes, I have, when I had my salons, there were times where I would put a notice up, just a discreet notice, saying that as of this date, due to increased you know, operating costs, we, uh, you know, we've had a price adjustment effective from this date. Uh, do I recommend people do that? I did it once or twice. Most of the time I didn't do it. It really didn't seem to make any difference one way or the other. I think that 99% of clients or 90% of clients fully understand that prices change, that it's a business and that over time they're going to be paying more for services and that, that you know, they just, they just roll with it. There'll be 10% that are always going to complain. They're always going to say, oh, so I'm paying for your new car, am I? Or, you know, you know those sort of negative, sarcastic comments. But I think that by and large, um, most people understand it, they expect it, and, you know, they're not that upset by it. Uh, so, Michael, have you got anything to add to that? No, I, I, I love your, I love your, uh, your logic. Um, if you, and, and, and if you, if you um, are on the news feeds of Instagram uh, and you follow salons that are on level systems, on a daily basis, they're posting pictures of a hairdresser holding a, a helium balloon that says number four on it or three or two or six, which is I've just been promoted to the next level. So, you know, all my clients see it on Instagram. My peers see it on Instagram and it's done as a promote. And if a client has a problem with it, oh, okay, well, you, you, you know, we have other people here that you can, that are uh, at the price point that you're um, accommodating, you know, that, 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 that really kind of fits your budget, but we, we don't, we don't hold it. We don't hold back. And for, clients that need an explanation well how's how what's that about we you know there's an eloquent uh script that gives the explanation and like you said anthony most of the time it oh okay thanks but every now and then you're going to get an off-the-wall client that that says i don't understand i just don't understand it's like well you know i i can explain it to you but i can't understand it for you so you you're not being able to understand it, it it's not my problem what you're really saying is i find it unacceptable well um that's unfortunate that's your prerogative we have other people here that can accommodate you but gone are the days that we're going to let one client stand in the way of a hairdresser earning what they deserve th th those days are over that's that's old. That's old way. If you hold on to that way now, you, and you're an owner, you get to be on the endangered species list. You won't be here in a couple of years. Yeah, good point. Thanks, Michael. Good question, Kimmy. Kara, uh, over to you. What's uh, what's your question for Michael and myself? All right. So I'd like to say, Michael, I love that you gave this new people like the Z's name. Um, I love that. So one of my questions is. Is so now you have a level system like within your salon. Is there a cap out? Do you think there's a cap out? And what do you do after you have a level system? Do you just keep creating new levels? How would you think that a salon owner can begin to handle the new Z's that are coming out of beauty school? Thank you. Yeah, I love your question. Everyone, uh, 
with with uh, Kara. I love your question. By the way, I'm following you now, Kara, on Instagram. So everybody that asks a question, I immediately go and I follow the, your last uh, person that was talking. And 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 the answer I'm going to give you again, uh, Kara. It's it's my answer, not the answer, and it's not the Eleventh Commandment. And it's based on salons that I interview. And now that I just, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Luke Husted or Anastasia Salon in Portland, Oregon, uh, trending to do uh, four million this year. Luke has nine levels and um, he, gra- he he came out of Summit and Summit, I think, has three or four. Luke's now got three or four levels beyond the school he came out of, I, I would say that he, he's an he's an innovator. That's one of the I call it one of the monsters that are now smarter than the scientists. And so he he would be the first to say, as so long as my people continue to go up in their demand rate, their average day goes up, their request rate goes up. I'm going to see how you know how high they take us. Now Luke, by the way, is a millennial. He's a middle-aged millennial. He's in his mid thirties and he's got a company full of zennials. So he he's uh he he doesn't have the uh, doesn't have as much many years in the business as an owner as a Gen X or a boomer. So you know he, he has less to unlearn, if you will. Um but it's it's working for him and uh, I love it. Yeah, great question, Cara. Um, Ebony, uh, over to you. What's your question for Michael and myself? Hello. First of all, I want to let you all know this is a great conversation and definitely needed to be had. Um, So I'm like at the top of the millennial chain as far as, you know, millennials and zennials or whatever they're called. But um, I want to know, in you guys' opinion, why do you think they do not teach this in school? And my second really important question is, um, I personally think that this is going to be like detrimental as far as sustainability, you know, in the industry moving forward. Um, How do you think that's going to roll over with the more traditional stylists? Yeah, my, 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 uh, in a nutshell, I think we're coming to the top of the hour. So I, I would say to your point, you're right. Um, you, you, you would need to look at, you know, when I look at schools like salon professional academies and summit salon academies and, uh, where students are being educated as they're getting their license, they're being, they're being educated in this conversation. They're, they're, they're coming out of the school in this paradigm. And uh, they're even taught, uh, gee, there's a lot of salons and a lot of hairdressers that don't think like this. So when you're looking for where you want to work, um, you know, go ahead and Google top salons in that area and go to the, go, go to the salon that's on page one and, and interview, and chances are you're going to be closer to this consciousness. Uh, so I, I would say this is a definitely a Gen Z consciousness. You, uh, yes, a young millennial consciousness when you start getting into middle aged, we'll call it senior millennials, and then Gen X and beyond are traditional. And I'm saying, look, I love you. You're, you're, you're entitled to embrace the traditional way, the way we've always done it. But don't be naive, but always know what the natural consequences are in resisting it. 
So the natural consequence is that over time, you will be seen not only by hairdressers, but by clients as being at best less relevant. Worst case, uh, irrelevant or old fashioned, not, not that you're uh, old in chronological age, but your thinking is old and you're, you're being tossed up by the, you know, the evolution of the industry and, and conversations like this, and they're shocking. But, but at least it would invite somebody to take pause that for the first time in a long time, I need to take a look at how I've been thinking about my opinions on how I think the business should be, uh, should be run. And perhaps I need to do myself a favor and allow somebody else to blow the sides off of my brain box. I, you know, I may not drink all the Kool-Aid, but I at least want to be open to the new way and not be so quick to say that it's wrong. Uh, you know, the first time we learn to do something, that from that time on, that way of doing something will feel right to us. And any other way of doing it that's contrary to this will seem wrong to us. And I'm saying, boy, you, you, you want to be careful about that because you're going to you're going to be on the endangered species list so again the, the conversation is what wakes us up see it or be it okay thanks michael that was well said um okay in the interest of time ampi we've got one more question from you so if you want to unmute yourself and uh thank you hi my name is ampi i'm a salon owner in uh south orange new jersey i opened my salon about four years ago and both of you, I'm a traditional hairdresser. I'm 41 years old and you have both, you blew my mind. The amount of awareness that you brought to me has made me realize that I need to change everything that I'm doing in my salon um, as far as pricing and knowing what we're and really trying to really find out the value of, our, of, of what we should be, which we should be charging. With that being said, I know we're short for time. But so much was covered today that I really would like to just really be able to take notes and pay attention to and maybe to reach out to either of you privately. I don't know if you are still taking on clients. How can I listen to this recorded clubhouse? Um, okay, thanks for that, Ampi. I really appreciate that feedback. Uh, I record all the clubhouses. I use some of them on my Insta on my um, uh, podcast. Uh, I, I haven't released all of them, but I've released one or two that I just put on my weekly podcast. It goes out every Tuesday. Uh, this one will probably go out, but it won't go out for another uh, probably another three or four weeks. Okay, uh, because they're they're batched at any one time. But thanks for that feedback. I think that generally speaking, to sort of sum up, you know, every think Michael's been talking about and what you've got to remember is that Michael is you know Michael was many things but you know one thing he is is he is a great example to people everywhere that age is just a number and that it's all about your mindset and how you think about things and you know it's the, the most important thing you can do is always to be you know questioning the way you think and the way you do things because it, it's not it's not you know it's not the right way. It's not the wrong way. It's just how you do things. And you've got to be always prepared to, you know, to reassess, to reevaluate and to let go of the old and embrace the new. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. 
But the world changes, and the world cha- and then this industry is changing, and it's changing very quick. And like everything, there'll be winners and losers. And if you're someone who is receptive to change and receptive to new ideas, new ways of looking at the world, new ways of thinking, then that puts you on the you know the winners side of the line, and that's where you want to be. So uh, I hope that was helpful, uh, Abby. Uh, Michael, any any final words before we start wrapping up the call? No, uh, just just uh, thank you, Anthony. And I, I would say just uh, you know I love how Anthony put it: being open to change. I'm going to be 68 years uh, old this year, and and um, you know, but I I would be so I'm a boomer. I'm an old guy, but I'm I I, I say all the time I'm a zennial mind in a boomer bod. And uh, zennials continue to young me down. I, I loved how Anthony put it. We're in a day and age now that how the the age I am is is different than the age I'm in. I'm in the zennial conversation, so my chronological age doesn't matter anymore. I, I might as well be a zennial. I'm open to having, but if you're a, a, a Gen X. And, and you're fixated on Gen X thinking and not open to uh, a Z or a young, uh, a young millennial. Um, you might as well be 20 years older than you are in chronological age. So it all comes back to, um, I call it who? A willing, a w, uh, W-H-O. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. And, and if I have those three, I'm, I'm cool. Follow me on uh, Michael Cool Millionaire Mindset, uh, Anthony, and I'd be more than happy to, uh, to help you and direct you to other resources if, you, if, if, this, if this conversation is resonating with you. Fantastic. Okay. Well, uh, this is a regular event, but we need to start wrapping up the room. I'm live here every Monday at four o'clock London time, which was 11 a.m. Eastern or 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, Don't forget to give us a follow and uh, Michael as well. And to ring the bell to keep informed of whenever we go online. I want to thank you guys, the audience, for joining us here today. We are now closing up the room. Uh, I'm Anthony Whitaker, and I want to thank you for being here. And if anyone wants to find out more about what I do then visit us at growmysalonbusiness.com to check out all our online resources and books and uh, uh, you know various free stuff and paid for content if it's applicable to you so michael thanks again and thank you everyone for attending have a great day see you later anthony Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.